We are going to turn to the, to the Bible, the story, and uh, we are in chapter, we've, we've finished chapter, chapter 20, uh, chapter what, 14, let's find it here, there it is, <laughs> okay. Finish chapter 14, reading five minutes a day this week. Supernatural redemption, God's story, your story. Aren't you glad God's story is also your story? He's working redemptively in, in your story, your life, your journey. And that's what we're, uh, we're reading about and learning and preaching about. I'd like to start by, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to start with uh, something I thought was kind of funny. My, this uh, guy says, my wife yelled from upstairs and asked, do you ever get a shooting pain across your body like someone's got a voodoo doll of you and, you're, and um, they're stabbing it? Sounding concerned, I replied, no. And she responded, how about now? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, couldn't resist. So, David preached so well last time on Solomon, and we're entering talking about the king's section. It's about 1,000, about 1,000 B.C., and Solomon, he messed up. He was a materialist, and he went with uh, worshiping his, and setting up idols for his wives, his 700 wives and 300 concubines. And, you know, I taught ninth grade Bible at Cascade Christian High School for seven years. And whenever we got to the Song of Solomon and those ninth graders realized Solomon, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines, they just were in a state of shock. It was just, uh, plus the, in the book of Judges, so R-rated for violence. It was just, the, those teens were just like, wow, this is just so weird. But Solomon totally messed up, and then God said, sorry, because you messed up, it's not going to happen in your lifetime, but in, in the future kings of Israel, what you chose to do has repercussions. And we saw in Exodus that in the Ten Commandments that the Second Commandment says that if, uh, if you set up idols and worship idols, then there are repercussions, the sins of the fathers will visit to the third and fourth generation. And this is what happened to Solomon. It, his kingdom, his son, Rehoboam, became king after him. And so all of Israel, when they were going to or, uh, crown him as king, all of Israel said, you know what, Solomon was too, too tough on us. Is, can you lighten up a bit? And so Rehoboam got some counsel. He said, come back in three days and talk to the young men and the, young, uh, the, old, the older guys, the, the elders. And he said, hey, yeah, lighten up. Be merciful. Well, let me talk to my friends, too, get some advice from them. Talk to the young guys. And the young fellow leader said, no, tell them that you're going to be even tougher. So he said to all of Israel, he said, my dad, when he was king, he whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. 
So you guys just better submit. And of course, you read the story that 10 tribes broke off and joined Jeroboam in the north. Over here, Jeroboam went to the north and Rehoboam, Solomon's son, only had Judah and Benjamin tribe. So, he, so Jeroboam had 10 tribes and he, he was evil and crazy. In fact, of 38 kings, one and two, first and second kings talks about, only five followed God. Only five were smart. The rest were not. And Jeroboam and all the north never followed God all the way through. But um, Rehoboam, he, uh, he didn't serve God, nor did his son um, Abijah, but his, son, his grandson Asa did. Asa, you know, he comes on the throne and he says, okay, my dad screwed up, my grandpa Solomon screwed up, I mean, my grandpa Rehoboam, my dad screwed up, uh, Abijah screwed up, Rehoboam screwed up, and Solomon screwed up. I don't have a good example of a king at all here in my family. What's going to happen to me? They've all messed up in all this disaster. I know I'm going to go to my great-great-grandpa and look to him. So he looked to his great-great-grandfather, King David, and said, you know what? He followed God. I've read the Psalms, they're awesome. I'm going to follow God and I'm going to get the blessing of David on my life as a king. So that's what Asa did. He was one of the first good kings in, uh, in the southern kingdom, in Judah. And that's what we're going to look at today, the story of Asa. And what I want us to consider is um, the fact that God gave Asa royal success, just like he gave David royal success. You remember that in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 14, God's word says about King David that in everything David did, he had great success because God was with him. And Asa saw that. He said, that is my destiny too. I'm going to get a hold of that. If it happened for King David, you know what? I am going to break this generational curse on my life and I'm going to have the blessing of God in my life. And I don't know, you know, you may have read about generational uh, sins in the Bible and how there's sort of a propensity to have the temptation tendencies of your dad and your, your, your grandfather, your, your uh, heritage. And, then, and we have the power in Jesus to break that, to break that and get a start in resurrection power in Jesus Christ. And, you know, this is a, uh, what happened with Asa anticipates that. My first talking point is that God is giving you royal success. We know that we're, we're called to royalty. We know from 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are called to be a what? A royal priesthood. And we know from Revelation 5 that we are called to rule and reign with Christ. We are royalty. We have the right to wear purple. <laughs> we are... Sons and daughters, princesses and princes and princesses of, the, of King Jesus. And it will only be revealed in, into eterni in the eternity future just what it means that we are ruling and reigning with Christ here. In fact, we are in fact right now. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places with Christ 
We are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. We are seated next to his, him on his throne right now. That is the, our greatest reality. The unseen world is our biggest and, and uh, best reality in our own personal journey. And part of that is having this uh, royal identity, this kingly, child of the king heritage and identity that um, the story of Asa anticipates. So first talking point, God is giving you royal success. How? Through giving you inspirational fathers that have a serving heart like David did. David served. He had a serving heart. He was royalty and he had a serving heart right from the get-go. He served his dad by taking care of his sheep. He served his brothers by taking them lunch. He served Israel by slaying Goliath. He served Israel by being a, a greatly successful warrior. And uh, he messed up with Bathsheba, but he served, uh, other, besides that one mis huge mistake, he served God so well and so righteously. And he inspired his mighty men, and he, he inspired his ragtag army of 400 when he was uh, roaring around the, the country, uh, running from Saul. He inspired them so much that when he said, man, I wish I could have some water from, fresh water from Bethlehem, they risked their lives to go get it for him. And he was so touched by that that he wouldn't drink it. He poured it out. He said, I, I'm just offering this to God because this is just way too much. You guys are just too kind to me. Well, David served and Asa served. He decided he wasn't going to be like his, his, uh, you know, his dad, his grandfather, Rehoboam, who, who said, you guys are going to serve me. And if you don't, I'm going to whip you with scorpions. He said, you know what, I am here to serve them. And you know, some of the best leaders that you can think of in any field are servant-type leaders, principals that make their teachers successful, teachers that make their students successful. One of my goals as a pastor, my primary goal is to make you successful in God. I, I love leading by serving. That's the, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a spiritual father in that way, God wants to, to sovereignly work in us to give us royal success through giving us inspirational fathers. In verse 9 of 1 Kings 15, 1 Kings 15, verse 9, in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king over Judah. So Jeroboam in the north, Ten tribes, Asa, over two little tribes in the south, that is Judah and Benjamin. And Asa reigned for 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name was Mekah, the daughter of Abishalom. We're going to get to her in just a moment. But Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father, David. So Asa looked to his great-great-grandfather, David, and considered him a spiritual father that he was going to take as a model and as an inspiration and as a, um, a catalyst for great godly leadership and serving like David did. And Asa took that on himself, and God gives us spiritual uh, fathers as well. You know, 
I want to uh, point out right now that it doesn't happen automatically. We've got to start by taking Jesus as our Savior, and then we can have God as Father and live the kind of successful life that Asa lived, that God wants us to live in Jesus Christ, starts with, starts with having our spirits born again, born from above. Our spirits are dead without Christ, and when we ask Jesus into our heart, they become alive. God says, let there be light, and our spirits come alive. And at the end of this talk, I'm going to give you a chance to receive Jesus as your Savior. What better time than Christmas time to do that and uh, get started with the kind of successful life that, um, that God wants to have for us, ruling and reigning with him as royalty. Asa looked to his spiritual father and was inspired to do what was right. We see Paul doing that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 as a, as a spiritual father. He said, I was among you guys as a father serving you. I know... Um, Myself, that I have, uh, I have several. I have probably six or eight men in my history that I think of as being spiritual fathers. And I don't have, I, I didn't have with most of them, and I don't have like an ongoing, let's have coffee every Tuesday sort of dynamic with them. It's not that kind of, Thing It's more communicated and imparted to me through their teaching and through their example than, than it is like actually spending a lot of time with them. Like Asa couldn't spend time with great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather David because he was already in heaven, but he still was inspired by him. And I find myself continually inspired. God has given me certain spiritual mentors that I still listen to their teachings I still think about their example. God uses them to, to, uh, as a catalyst in my personal life journey continually. And he is, he, I want to invite you to think about your own life journey and see if you can identify the, one, the spiritual fathers, perhaps, and mothers that God has gifted you with in your life that you can praise him for in this time of Christmas, thank him for, and get a, get a refresh on their impact on your life that will be a different list for each one of us. But, and it's certainly not just one person. There, are, there should be several people that have input and influence into our lives and speak into our lives as spiritual fathers, as King David, without even knowing it, spoke into Asa's life, his great-great-grandson. I want to be that kind of person. I felt like God, I've mentioned this before, but I felt like God... Five years ago when I had a, a, a medical crisis, a, a surgery, tumor removed from my chest, it was a time of great soul searching as, as those of you that have had a difficult medical health crisis, you know that it's also a time of spiritual reassessment and looking at the big questions of life and, and uh, well, Jacob Gina, a friend of mine, asked me, Dan... It's about a month after my surgery, and he, he asked me, Dan, is there any way that God especially spoke to you during the time that you had that, that time in the hospital and that surgery? Is there any, any 
thing that God specially spoke to you that you can share with me? I said, yeah, there is. I feel like God recalibrated, adjusted my, um, my identity. I felt like he said, Dan, I want you to, in your pastoring of New Song Church and in the people in your life, your children, their spouses, your church family, your grandchildren, I want you to embrace more of a, of a dad, a father, a spiritual father identity than just a pastor identity per se. And that might not look any different to you, but to me in terms of the motivations of my heart, my life, and the way I approach ministry, the way I approach my own children and their spouses and grandchildren, um, the, 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 the spiritual dadness um, is very important to me in these last five years. I'm really, really trying to be more of a spiritual dad to you. If um, you think I'm doing a poor job, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really trying, okay? That's my, that's my goal with you is to, in terms of even preparing to preach and um, to lead New Song Church, I want to be a good spiritual father. Now, Jesus said, don't call anybody father, all right? So, it's, it's not this official relationship. It has to do with function. It has to do with attitude. And um, I want to be apostolically a father, like the Apostle Paul was apostolically a father to the church in Thessalonica, as I mentioned earlier. Now, Jesus Christ, um, he serves, doesn't he? He came to serve. Son of man came not to be ministered unto, came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom. He, he led by serving, Jesus did, didn't he? I like one of my uh, spiritual fathers, Jerry Cook, put it this way about pastoring. The only allowable relationship between us is that of a servant. I am really free to serve you. I am not free to boss you. You ever had a spiritual leader that was kind of bossy? I have, but not for long. <laughs> Jesus Christ, relationally, continues to serve us. You know that? He just didn't come and serve for a while. He, he gets great joy out of serving us, even right now. Have you considered the Christmas prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9? Can we put that up? I want you to notice this is present tense. Isaiah 9. Doesn't say, this is like seven or 800 years before Christ came, but it doesn't say, for unto us a child will be born. And with us, it's not just a child was born. There is a present coming of Jesus to us in the moment. There's a time transcendence dynamic to Jesus serving us. For unto us a child is born. Jesus continually serving unto us a son is, present tense given. And what's he doing? The government is upon his shoulders. 
He's in control of the whole world, ultimately. His name is presently, he is right now ministering wonderfulness to us. Showing us how wonderful he is. Counseling us, giving us advice, giving us wisdom, giving us comfort. Jesus is. Present tense. There's a present tense dynamic to this amazing Christmas prophecy. He is present tense, our mighty God. And wow, Jesus even embraces being a father to us. I don't really relate to him as being a father. But from his angle, he, he kind of likes being a father to us, an everlasting father from his perspective. And he continually ministers his peace to us. He's the, he's the boss of all peace. He controls all peace and he likes to be the prince of peace, ministering his peace to us. Present tense, friends. He continues to serve us in our now. Paul put it this way in Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things, present tense, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can too. In your personal now. You can do all things. Now I know that often we look at that. And we think, to, think about that. I can do most of my life without Christ. But when I bump against something really tough. Then I shift into overdrive. And I have supernatural power to deal with it. But then I'll go back to living my life. With the small things of life. And the regular daily stuff of life. I can do that on my own, but only utilize the strength of Christ when I absolutely need to. I want to submit to you that all things doesn't mean all things as in just the tough all things, but all things as in every area of your life has supernatural resource for it that even if you don't need it, you can access it. You live a totally flow of the, a total flow of the supernatural in everything. The tough stuff and the easy stuff. I get supernatural help preparing to teach and to preach and in the moment. I get supernatural help being a father, being an organizer, being a herald of the good news. But I also, that's the tougher stuff. But I also get supernatural help being a grandpa. I do. Friday, every Friday, almost every Friday, four-year-old Luke and two-year-old Emma come over and see us. And lately, Brenda's been having a tea party with Emma while Grandpa and Luke do fun stuff. Well, we went to Walmart the other day, and I was going to buy, try to get a, some kind of uh, helicopter or something. They didn't have any, so Luke saw a Mario... Uh, game um, castle you know a mario game has a castle on it some of you that play video games know that well there's a castle and he said grandpa grandpa i said okay i yielded bought him this castle i was going to put together this 13 dollars castle at 17 parts i was all excited we can take this to part put it together and have lots of fun well it turns out it was a it was a gingerbread castle it was a cooking project so I needed special supernatural anointing from Jesus to work with Luke to cook and to 
decorate this castle. And when Luke was decorating, he took one piece of candy and ate it, and then one with frosting put it on the gingerbread castle. And then, so we didn't get everything, the castle built fully like it was supposed to because it was devoured in the process, part of it. But it turned out to be a lot of fun, although I was grumpy. I was kind of a Scrooge about it at first. So we worked on the castle. I, was help, I got help from Jesus with that. Christ helped me in the moment. And then I, I worked on riding his uh, bike with him, teaching him how to ride a bike. And we rode around the block for the first time. He rode around the block all by himself for the first time. Very proud of himself. I was right there huffing and puffing, kept trying to keep up with him. Christ helped me. I can do all things through Christ. And then he said, Grandpa, where does that door go? He's four years old. Everything's an adventure. I said, oh, Luke, that is the back stairs. It is an adventure going up those stairs. Can we go up those stairs? No, but we can go down them. We walked into the house, up the indoor stairs, into our bedroom, opened the mysterious door, and walked down through the, the back stairs to the outside. It was scary, and it was fascinating, and there were cords, and there was <laughs> stuff to trip on. Grandpa, are there spiders? I said, no, the spiders are all frozen to death. Well, Grandpa, did they die of old age or did, did they freeze to death? Oh, I meant they died of old age. <laughs> Didn't like the idea of spiders die, freezing to death. <laughs> so, in the moment, this Grandpa anointing was kicking in, but Christ helped me. Christ helps us to be good wives, good husbands. If we're married, Ephesians 5 says, you, Husbands, you should love your wife like Christ loved the church. Guys, you know that takes supernatural help. I know your wife is easy to love. I know you've, it's, you, you do. You, you adore your wife if you're married. But you know there are times that you need help. My point is, don't wait for the times you need help. Just stay in the supernatural all the time and you'll do a lot better. It was not Abraham Lincoln that said this. It was William Thackeray, an English novelist. Whatever you do, be a good one. Whatever you do, be a good one. And that takes accessing a continual flow of the supernatural. Second talking point. It's not going to spend as much time on that, just a few minutes, but... God is giving you royal success through giving you spiritual fathers who serve you, inspire you. God is giving you royal success through, you, through your picking up and enthusiastically engaging your present personal cross. Now, Jesus is the one that used that phrase. He said, if anyone follows me, he must deny himself Pick up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus once said that, that this, this, this instrument of torturous execution is a picture that Jesus used for our daily life. 
And I know this is a bit of a bummer. I mean, I, I looked at this and I said, God, I really don't want to share this, but I, but, but I felt like he said, Dan, you know it's been a blessing to you, and you know it's in the Bible, so go ahead and talk about it. So I'm going to just for a few minutes here. Let's look at the cross that King Asa picked up. Chapter 15, verse 12, Asa banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. Also, he moved Mekah, his grandmother. He removed Mekah, his grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. It's an idol with perversion involved with the worship of it. And Asa cut down her obscene image and burned it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. All these other kings, completely a study in narcissism. Asa, a servant king, great leader, great blessing. But he picked up a cross that involved challenging someone that probably had been important to him his whole life, his grandma who was the queen mother, and she had certain values that were wrong, and he couldn't get her to repent. So he said, Grandma, I'm sorry, but you're fired. I'm firing you as the queen mother. You can still be grandma if you want, but I'm firing you as a queen mother. You're fired. You're no longer in any leadership position, and we're taking down your idols, and we are cleaning things up around here, Grandma. And I think that that was a hard, difficult thing for him to do is a, kind of a picking up your cross. And sometimes the crosses that God calls us to, and each one of us in our journey have, different, have a different sequence of crosses. Jesus calls us to, to pick up. I want to say this about crosses. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. With crosses, they always result in resurrection glory. 100% of the time, every time you pick up a cross because Jesus leads you to, to pick up that cross, deny yourself, it results in supernatural resurrection glory later. Might not be exactly three days, but resurrection life is going to surge out of you because of that choice. Mariah Woodworth Etter. Mariah Woodworth Etter was, uh, was, had a, a tragic early life, lost like five of her children, maybe it was six, I forget, but her only had one child that lived to adulthood. Uh, hard life, but was called to preach. Was called to preach. Only one problem. She was relating in a denomination that did not let women preach. And all of her lady friends would have thought she was weird if she said she was supposed to preach. I mean, you could go on a mission field to preach, but you couldn't preach in America. This was late 1800s, early 1900s. And, you know, finally she said, she said, God, if I was a man, I would obey you, but I don't have to, I, 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 I can't because I'm a woman. And God said, I have a cross for you. Pick it up. We'll see what happens. So she, she said in her, I'm reading a biography of her right now. She said, I picked up my cross and I started to preach. 
and immediately dozens, then hundreds, then thousands of people came to Christ and people even started getting healed in her meetings and she wasn't even trying to start a healing revival but people started getting healings in her meeting and she tried to quench the healing because she thought it prevented people from getting saved. It put the emphasis on healing instead of salvation, but God just poured on more healing as a result and she became, and it, all, all this resurrection power and favor and, and um, j- resurrection Jesus' life flooded her and her whole ministry. Why? She faced a cross and picked it up. Okay, kind of crosses. I only know, I don't know what yours are. I just know what mine are. One cross God called me to bear this year is instead of trying to talk to 20 people a week about Jesus, this year I feel like he's calling me to try to talk to 40 people. I, I always don't like it. It's always uncomfortable. But I think there's going to be some resurrection life out of it because it's right in front of me and God's called me to do it. It's a cross. A, a simpler cross for me, back and forth in the car to the office or to visit someone in the hospital, or I'm not in the hospital these days, but just out and about. I enjoy listening to conservative talk radio. God told me to turn it off and sing praises to him instead. You know what? It's already producing resurrection life in me. I'm not saying don't listen to, to your favorite radio program. I'm just saying in my journey, I've got a different walk. I've got a different journey, and it's customized as is yours. And there's all kinds of resurrection life that comes from the crosses. So man up and deal with your cross, okay? Guys, woman up if you're a woman and deal with it. Face it. Go after it. Resurrection life is coming your way about three days. Okay? Let's stand up. Those of you joining us on our YouTube channel, perhaps here in our sanctuary, those joining us on channel 11 and 11, this is your day to accept Jesus and your heart gets started. Would you close your eyes and put your hand on your heart right now and everybody say this after me to make it easier for those in your home that are doing this for the first time. Say this, very simple, start with Jesus. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me. I confess you as my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. I am saved. I am born again. I am on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Romans chapter 10 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. It also says in Romans 10 and two other places in God's word, If we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, we shall be saved. God will not deceive you. He's not going to lie to you. If you did that and meant it, your spirit is born again. Now it behooves you. It's incumbent upon you to contact a Christian friend who probably has already been praying for you, and tell them, text them, call them, let them know that you asked Jesus into your heart today. 
they'll help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, get you stirred up to stay on fire for King Jesus. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today, everybody. Merry Christmas to us all. Amen. Amen.